We are back with the Dubs Hub Podcast. Chris, the Warriors are 3-0 since we last recorded, and they all came on the road. Did we even win three games in a row on the road at all last season? I don't think we did, but the first three road games this year, the Warriors have won. Uh, Things look a little different this year than they did from last year. How are you feeling? Yeah, the Warriors won 11 road games last year, so we're already... um about 25% of the road wins we had last year through four games. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I think safe to say they're going to win more than 11. I would hope so. (laughs) Can't do (laughs) much worse than that. (laughs) Knock on wood. So yeah, so three games have have gone by since we last recorded. And uh, so we recorded after that game opener, or season opener, excuse me, where we lost to the Suns. Three straight wins. Uh, instead of going through game by game, we're going to rattle off some of our um, key takeaways from those games and what we're noticing uh, and just kind of things to note and pay attention to going forward uh, to see if those trends continue. So you want to kick it off with the first kind of observation? Yeah, I think the biggest observation is the most obvious, and that is at age 35, Steph is still Steph. I mean... We saw it like late in the game versus the Rockets. Um, well, obviously in Sacramento first, he had 41, and the last time he played in Sacramento was in the playoffs um, where he had 50. So um, he still has it. He didn't have the best game in Houston towards like the fourth quarter, but in the fourth quarter he just took over. And then we saw it last night in New Orleans Unreal. as well. He was just making incredible shots, 42 points. Um, I mean, he just looks as good as ever. Yeah, he looks as good as ever. He was asked last night if this, if he feels like this is his best start to the season, and he said no, 2016 was better. You look back at 2016, and in the first four games, he had a 53-point game included and a 40-point <laughs> game, and Jeez. he was averaging 37 a night. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to beat that. But so far, he's averaging 33 33- point five he's averaging five rebounds four assists a steal and he's shooting 47 percent from three yeah that it like on 13 threes per game he's making six per game it is yeah. unbelievable and uh so how are you feeling about having him below Giannis to st- on your player rankings <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it is for the season I mean like we said when we went through the player rankings you know it's hard to say a player that you'd rather have for one game or like a playoff yeah. series than Steph. I mean, probably, I guess, Jokic is the one you can put above him. But yeah, I mean, if Steph is playing at this level for most of the regular season, I mean, he's going to be an MVP candidate, maybe like the top MVP candidate, and the Warriors are going to win a ton of games. Yeah, I mean, if he can sustain this. We'll, we've seen him get hot and go cold before, though, too, just like any other player. So it's a yeah. long season, but... He's off to an awesome start and is looking like he's leading the Warriors back to relevancy in the West. Um, and, you know, I feel like he probably saw our, our player list and he <laughs> took it personally. Yeah. For both you and me, I think he wants to be number one on that list and he's coming for it. Uh, so, yeah, that's been really cool to see. Yeah, definitely going to take credit for that motivation. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see if Steph can keep this going. I mean, it's just been 
really fun to see. Uh, what's another observation that you noticed? All right. So, like, one thing I was looking for just for this entire season, really, but specifically once Draymond was back, was how the fit between Draymond and Chris Paul will work. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that, to me, was the what I was most worried about, Like, and it seems like the most problematic. And we're only three games in, or actually, no, only two games in of the Chris Paul Draymond uh, experiment on the court together. And I just wanted to see like how Steve Kerr is going to approach uh, staggering their minutes or if they're going to overlap quite a bit. In the first game where Draymond was back against the Rockets, uh, they, he, they only played two minutes together at the same time on the floor. And that was then those were the last two minutes of the game. So that was interesting. The lineup data I don't think is out yet for last night's game against the Pelicans, but I'm going to just be like paying attention to that moving forward to see how how Chris Paul and Draymond can play with each other or if they really are just not sharing the court all that often because like I like I was saying their skill sets sort of overlap they are both much better on offense with the ball in their hands and I'm talking offense only here defensively I think it's okay but offensively they are like floor generals and they're best when they're orchestrating an offense and they're getting people open and picking apart the weaknesses of a defense. That's both where they've made their money on offense. Chris Paul obviously is a different level of score and is one of the best point guards of all time. But Draymond is like the probably the best like point forward offensively in terms of breaking down a defense that I've seen. Uh, maybe I mean if you don't include LeBron in that conversation, yeah. but. Uh, but like that to me it was like a difficult fit to get right and so far it's looked okay um but you know i'm planning on writing an article about this after chris paul and draymond have played 10 games together and break down like kind of the advanced stats on how the lineups look on off how much they're sharing the court and all of that so just pay attention to that um in the next like week or two i know it's interesting because they're Draymond's a power forward slash center and Chris Paul's a, a true point guard but yeah. you're right they play pretty much the same role on offense I think that I mean this is something I've also been paying attention to but I think that Chris Paul can play off ball better than Draymond can um, yes just because he could, he's a shooter and I think he's pretty smart with you know setting screens slipping um but yeah, yeah I totally it, agree. It, it is interesting. And I, I think in the regular season, it won't be a huge deal because, like we've already seen, I mean, Chris Paul's coming off the bench. A lot of his minutes are with, like, Saric or Kaminga. Um, so I think Kerr has had it in his mind to maybe split them up a little bit, but obviously they're going to overlap because they're, you know, yes. two of the six best players on the team. So they're going to close games together. So that's definitely something uh to watch out for and we'll be looking forward to you uh breaking that down yeah no doubt i mean i think it's going to be most important when they're closing games and they're on the floor at the same time to be honest i personally think kerr most often will not have chris paul in the closing lineup because the starting five is so good together and other options might be better with with size like either having kuminga or gary payton or moody out there but 
and like that's just defense too Steve Kerr always defaults to ha- having defense on the floor in crunch time so we'll see how he approaches that and how Chris Paul handles it I think so far it's looked like Chris Paul has embraced winning and his role on the team he's getting plenty of minutes like 30 minutes per game so far so I don't yeah. think that's a problem it's really just like will he be okay seeding the crunch time minutes to someone like Gary Payton uh that's to be determined so yeah the, the Steve Kerr balancing act I guess is my takeaway and, and something to monitor yeah it's a good problem to have though because last year it was the opposite end of the spectrum like okay we have three yes. players that should be closing where do we find the other two um and we saw some pretty gross people out to close games or start games <laughs> so definitely rather have this option and that, that kind of takes me to the the next point i wanted to go over which is just the depth of this team and really four games into the season the bench unit is already has like amazing chemistry and is producing i mean we saw it last night in the in the pelicans game especially like steph came out in the third quarter and i think we were up like eight or so and it just ballooned to like 20 finishing out the third quarter which is so rare for um a warriors team and i just looked it up the warriors are um plus 31 in the 65 minutes that Steph has been off the court so far in this four games. I mean, if they're going to be a positive team with Steph Curry off the court, they're going to be a top seed in the West for sure. If they can sustain that throughout the regular season, they'll battle for the one seed. And that actually is my next take is that I think the Warriors and the Nuggets are clearly the two best teams in the West, although the Clippers have looked pretty good actually. So far, you know, we'll see what happens with their health. The Suns have been, I think, a little underwhelming. The The Kings look pretty solid on offense again, of course, but their defense is always a problem. Yeah. Um, the Grizzlies are nowhere to be found. They're 0-4. Yeah. And then the Lakers, I think, have been underwhelming too. And I had their under always skeptical if they could put it together, although I kind of liked Palinka's moves around the edge for the Lakers, but we'll see. Some of them haven't really been working out so far. Uh, So I think my this next takeaway is just like the Warriors and the Nuggets look like the most complete teams and the most prepared teams, uh, at at least early on in the season in the West. Yeah, and that just goes to um, chemistry and camaraderie. I mean, those are two teams that have had the same core for, you know, at least eight plus, I mean, the Warriors have had the same core for over 10 years, but that Nuggets squad with Murray, Jokic, KCP, uh, Porter Jr., that squad's been together at least like five, six years now, whereas in the other teams in the West, there's been a ton of reshuffling. So that could be leading to the fast starts. I mean, teams could maybe get it together towards the end of the season and, and put put it together and look like a um, a contender, but I think you're spot on. Those two teams look the scariest so far um well so with the clippers um they have the highest net rating through only three games for them uh but through uh, all the games played so far they i think look really good but (laughs) late last night we learned they just traded for james harden um so that trade is official it's been brewing for a while what do you think about the fit and like and what they gave up we can read it off if you want 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the like cool thing is to be down on Harden um, because I mean, why wouldn't you be? He's this is his fourth team in two year in three years, um, and he's quit on every single team. But I think he played well last year. Um, he led the NBA in assists. He definitely did. He can still score. Obviously, he's a bad defender and not really a winning player. But, I mean, who'd they give up? They gave up Covington, um, Batum, and Marcus Morris. Like, all those guys yeah. stink. And then they gave up, like, <laughs> yeah. two picks. So, I mean, obviously there's a risk because he's kind of a cancer in the locker room and can be a negative player, but... I mean, they didn't really give up anything. They didn't give up any of their good players for him. So, I think it's a yeah. Good, only the good only swing. one that might hurt is Marcus Morris. But I, Ugh, I he's overall, trash. Actually, you're right. The overall, the only one that'll hurt is Batum. Yeah, uh, Marcus sorry. Morris is horrible. Yeah, but Batum has kind of declined recently too. So yeah, I agree. Um, I actually think it's a fine fit for them. I don't think they're gonna compete with the Nuggets, and the Warriors, especially when we get to the playoffs. But no. having Harden and Westbrook surrounded by the two great defensive wings in Kawhi and Paul George, that is great for them because they don't, like, they can kind of hide them on defense in some ways. Although it is pretty difficult to hide two bad defending guards yeah. on defense. You need, I feel like you need at least one solid defensive guard and neither Westbrook nor Harden are good on that end no um but like you said i mean i'll be curious to see how the season plays out because westbrook's actually been playing pretty well but ideally if i was running the clippers i think you'd want to stagger them kind of like the warriors are doing with chris paul maybe you'd want westbrook to be leading the bench unit which is like a hot topic around him or maybe eventually you actually trade westbrook at the deadline um (sighs) Yeah, so, I mean they're they're kind of overlapping players. I think is what yeah. we're getting at. Um, We've seen them try to play together before. It didn't look too great. They both want the ball in their hands. Didn't they like request? I I'm like so lost in the James Harden <laughs> sagas of like teams and when he's requested and what are the reasons. But wasn't it was West Westbrook requested a trade? Or I don't know if he requested it, but I kind of they felt like they needed to trade him and they sent him to Washington for John Wall. And then immediately after that, James Harden asked out. It's so, dude, I, we're just lucky to be fans of, like, which is weird to say because the Warriors weren't always a stable team, but, like, it must be exhausting to try to be, like, a Harden fan. Because, <laughs> like, how can you even keep up? How can anyone up? be a Harden fan, like a player? Like, dude, just pick a team to root for. And, like, I don't understand how people just, like, pick one player no matter where they go like that's the team they root for i mean i could understand doing? if it was like lebron um yeah or katie like or someone steph even. At, yeah <laughs> steph even um but yeah if you're just a diehard hardened fan regardless of where he goes you're you're sick what are you doing yeah, yeah. You need <laughs> yes. help. all right let's stop talking about the clippers <laughs> now but i guess my my takeaway was in the west the warriors and the nuggets are the cream of the crop and until otherwise Uh, until otherwise proven so um let's go from there yeah yeah so yeah like we said i think a big part of why we're we're feeling that way is because of the bench and the role players are all looking really good um we always knew that steph would be able to lead a team to a really good record and everything but we saw last year we saw in 2020 like 
if Steph was off the floor, we were just getting killed, and he had to go into, like, superhero mode to even get us back in games. Um, so that's just something I've noticed. It's, like, refreshing for Steph to get off the floor, and we can even build a lead, like, it doesn't seem real. So that, that's probably the biggest yeah. takeaway I've seen. Um, what's what's another one that you got? One for me is a concern. Uh, really, the only real concern so far, I think, is that Wiggins is nowhere to be found still. Uh, I think his defense has stepped up a little bit. Like During the Kings game, he was actually playing pretty solid defense. I think last night against the Pelicans, he had some moments, but... Overall, he, he doesn't look like the former All-Star. He had zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks against the Rockets. Yeah. And one three. That's, That's it. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you need to be enforcing your will on the game. Like, he is such a great athlete. Um, and and he, I don't know, we've, we did this last podcast, but Wiggins basically is still asleep and I'm not going to panic, but I'm concerned and he needs to kind of turn it around. I would say before the first 10 games are up before I I'll be super worried, but um, something to monitor. I want to see Wiggins step it up. I really do think he needs to be a key component of this team. And right now he hasn't been. So that's not good for the long-term prospects, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I can get over, the poor scoring and missing shots but like you said i mean in four games he's played you know 26 minutes which is five less than or five more than kaminga and wiggins is averaging two rebounds and 0.8 assists where kaminga's averaging almost five rebounds and the same amount of assists more blocks more steals it's like man you're really i mean he's not he's not playing better than kaminga peyton or moody i'd rather no no. <laughs> like, if I had to choose who's, who's the best wing on the team right now, it would be one of those three and not Wiggins. And that's a problem. Wiggins needs to be the best guy of, the, of that group. Imagine, imagine if, like, we didn't trade for um, GP2 last year and Kerr still didn't trust Kaminga or Moody. Like, we would be actually in really trouble right now. But yeah. it's, it's a testament to those players that they've been able to fill in because that like we said i mean steph's obviously the bread and butter but in this league you need two-way wings to win like we saw gary was huge in the rockets game last night moody was amazing kaminga in the kings game with like they've just been stepping up all over the place wiggins through four oh, yeah. games has been has he closed the game yet no i don't think so right uh he was uh well, last night against the Pelicans, we the, didn't need anyone time. to close. Yeah. It was a blowout. Yeah. The Rockets, um, I can't remember if he was on the floor against the Rockets. Yeah. Kings, oh, actually, he no, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't think he's The Rockets, closed. he wasn't because he fouled someone with like two minutes left, and that's when Steve Kerr sent Chris Paul to the scorer's table and, and Paul came in for Wiggins. So technically, I mean, Wiggins was playing in kind of crunch minutes with five minutes remaining but they took him out with two minutes left because they needed kind of some ball handling and free throws yeah so i i agree with you that that was one of my top ones as well Is just it's something to monitor like you said it's not like a huge panic situation but I yeah mean, he just looks disinterested right now which is unfortunate and we're, and we're pretty lucky that we have 
hungry dudes. And like we mentioned on last podcast, like Kerr's going to close with whoever is looking the best and whoever fits. And I, hopefully that's Wiggins takes that the right way and, and wants to try to be the one out there. Because if not, you know, Kaminga or Moody, GP2, the, those players are ready. They're more than ready. GP2 looks much healthier than he did last year when he came back from his injury. Um, I was going to say this, but I'm just going to say it. He's been one of our best players so far this year. Yeah. And I think GP2 and Moody should be basically guaranteed 20 minutes per game. Uh, right now, they're averaging 19. Yeah. Um, so, like, that, that's fine. If you want to do 19 instead of 20, it's fine. <laughs> so, like... 20 minutes per game going forward every night we need these guys defending rebounding knocking down corner threes when they're open and kind of doing the dirty work those guys are like the new clamp bros off the bench they are so good (laughs) Uh, they're good together on the floor at the same time too which is super key i love them around chris paul off the bench so that's been really cool to see yeah, so, uh, would you throw Kaminga kind of in that same breath where he at least, like, guaranteed 20 minutes a night? It, I wouldn't say guaranteed, but he has looked as advertised so far. The problem for me is that sometimes he is really dumb. Like, sometimes he <laughs> yeah. makes horrible mistakes, and Moody and Gary Payton don't make those type of mistakes. So I think Kaminga's going to have naturally a more volatile season more up and down because of who he is as a player and his learning that goes both ways though like you're saying like yeah um volatile in a good way too where you could see Kaminga get like 30 whereas I don't think you could say Gary could do that um I can I could probably see Moody doing it I'm I'm like Moody fan number one in that league (laughs) yeah Yeah, I agree. Uh, no, but that's totally true. And like, that's he may Kaminga may end up like averaging twenty or more minutes per night, but I don't think it should be like a guaranteed baseline twenty minutes. It should be like if he's playing well, he should play forty eight, and if he's not, ten, like yeah. something no, like I, that. You know, it, it's more of a range for him, more of a feel thing. Yeah, I understand what you mean, and like with Gary on the floor, obviously he's not a perfect player. Um, we saw, I think, in the Kings game, he didn't yeah. make a shot. But, man, he just does so much stuff well. He rebounds. He's 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 our best perimeter defender, I think. Not really even close. He's um, one of the best in the league. Yeah, he's just he's, he's averaging a two steals a game. Doesn't really turn the ball over much. He's just uh, he's one of my favorite players. One of um, the things I love watching about GP2 is him navigating through screens on, like, shifty guards. It's yeah. unbelievable. He gets he like slips around these big men who are setting really tough screens like it's nothing. And he yeah. just stays on, on the hip of the ball handler. He has super long arms. His wingspan is insane. And he's disruptive. He, they are not comfortable dribbling around him. I mean, even no. like pretty sizable wings, he can poke the ball away. I specifically remember in the finals against Boston, he was like stripping Jason Tatum who's oh, like yeah. what six eight or something yeah. like <laughs> i think gp2's wingspan is like six six or six seven like he's got crazy long arms yeah he's uh man that's <laughs> that trade was tough just because like wiseman was the number two pick and invested a lot in him 
but I just I still cannot believe that they let Gary go um, at that offseason just when you find a, a role player who's I mean he what was he like our sixth man in the NBA finals like yeah I can just never never understood that um, they didn't want to like sign him for because of the difference of like five million per year or something just uh, it, it's it was insane like greediness from the Lakers in my opinion yeah. but they uh, made up for it they got him back and they got rid of Wiseman in the same transaction so we'll, that's, that's what I was gonna say win. I mean it was clear to us <laughs> if you were listening to the podcast or know us how we felt about you know Rollins and you felt this way about Poole Wiseman it's just you surround Steph Draymond and Clay with smart NBA players and they're gonna be perfect I mean we're seeing it with Wiseman even Trace Jackson Davis like 57th pick not the most talented person in the world but knows basketball and can do the fundamentals you're gonna shine when playing was that one of your takeaways Trace uh, Trace Jackson Davis yeah, one of my takeaways was just, like, the difference in rookies from last year to this year. It's just yeah. it's kind of comical. I mean, the Warriors took um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins. Kind of similar picks. Like, PBJ was, I think, the, the 26th pick, and Rollins was, I think, even a pick higher than Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, he was, like, in the 40s. Um, so similar pick ranges, but, God, they are just astronomically different and able to play on the floor um yeah they, they both like i guess i want to go with trace jackson davis first because i think yeah. he looks a lot better frankly but um he like he's really good he is like a young <laughs> athletic loony in some ways loony yeah. is more seasoned and better right now but they play kind of similar styles honestly where they just know their role they rebound they're pretty smart. They can do the dri- they can do the dribble handoff with the guards very well, and they roll hard. I mean, uh, what my one takeaway was not specifically Trace Jackson Davis focus. It was actually a mix between Saric and Trace Jackson Davis. Saric is clearly a good fit offensively, but man, is he bad on defense. He Horrible. is probably our worst defender on the team, um, and. I'm like souring a little bit on him just because of how much of a liability he is. I mean, his offense is great. He has good chemistry with Chris Paul. That's awesome. He'll get playing time because of that. But man, he like, oh my God, it was unbelievable last night watching Zion just dominate him. And I know nobody can guard Zion when he's on one, but it was like embarrassing. Um, So I, I think the takeaway for me is that Trace Jackson Davis over the season might start taking minutes from Saric. I think that he's going to earn them, honestly, with how smart he is and how he doesn't play outside of who he is uh, as a basketball player. I think that's a good call because, I mean, we talked about it all offseason. Like, the one type of role that's missing from this team is, like, a defensive big who can roll to the rim. Um, And I agree with you. I think Saric is... A little more disappointing than we thought obviously he I think he's a good regular season player I I could see in the playoffs that his role is like reduced maybe even eliminated um when it gets down to it just because you want two-way players who can't get taken advantage of but I agree and, it, and the front office is looking smart again where they 
kind of went away from the players' opinions. I remember this happened with um, Avery Bradley and Gary Payton. All the players wanted Avery Bradley, and then it was kind of an unpopular opinion for them to choose Gary Payton and look out how that worked. I mean, that decision maybe won them a championship. And we saw this offseason. They brought in Dwight Howard for workouts, and I know that Draymond and Chris Paul were, like, super high on bringing him in. And it was kind of unpopular when they, they didn't sign him because Warriors fans saw that the need of a defensive big who could roll to the rim. But I think just locker room vibes alone, that was a good call. And I don't think Dwight Howard would be doing what Trace Jackson Davis has done in the two games that no he played way. this year. No Not at all. Not. No. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and then on Pajemski, did you have any thoughts? He played a lot last night. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say about him, and it, this kind of ties back to the Wiggins thing, is um, you notice Pajemski out there. I mean, he played 23 minutes. He had eight rebounds, two assists. Um, the eight rebounds is huge. <laughs> he, he and we said this yes. after the preseason, he can rebound, but he's just active out there. Like, he, like we said, he's not our favorite player, um, just because I think he's a little bit of a defensive liability. Um, but I don't know. In my opinion, I probably would rather see him out there than Corey Joseph. And yeah, it only I w- took four games to get there. Yeah. I was saying I'm not like a huge fan, maybe, in general of Pajemski. I, I just think he's not big enough. And he does a lot of good things, no doubt. I mean, I can see why Kerr likes him. He passes well, he rebounds, he is positionally really smart, um, and he's kind of crafty in the lane with his floaters and his pivoting. Uh, I just think he has a lot of liabilities, but I totally agree. Pajemski is higher on the depth chart than Corey Joseph, and so far, that like rightfully so. I, I don't think Corey Joseph is going away. There will be moments where they put him in the game and he plays all right like it's a long season oh so but, long such a long season <laughs> yeah yeah but um but right now i'm not mad that pajemski's above Corey joseph on the depth chart and like you know might as well if he if he's the third kind of ball handling guard we already have chris paul and steph curry like those minutes between joseph and pajemski are not super valuable not super meaningful minutes so if that means we're developing this kid um, that's fine as long as it doesn't like disrupt the winning. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, and it, okay it, it didn't last night. I mean, they played they played great. No, not out there. And I, I, I think the one difference between Corey Joseph and Pajemski is that I don't think Corey Joseph can play any position other than point guard. Where I think Pajemski, you could put him out there with Chris Paul or Steph. Um, not that he's like a great defender or anything, but I just think that he does more to be able to like not be the true point guard if that makes sense maybe maybe you're right i think i'll have to see it a bit more and i'll have to see some more of Corey joseph too we've only seen him play like four minutes it was so. a disgusting four minutes to like it was pretty bad i, I feel i feel i do know, i feel bad just because like consensus warriors fans are already out on they were Corey like joseph. get him the hell off the court yeah i know i think they're no, just uh, they're burned from seeing like garbage players play for the Warriors. So they're Wanamaker. Like, yeah, Wanamaker, Chorizo. Nico Mannion, Chorizo, <laughs> all these terrible point guards. So it's like, man, we yeah. we got a short lease on them. But um Yeah. Yeah, I think all good calls around. Any anything else that you wanna you wanna go over? 
Uh, just just the last one was um, we only saw it for one game because Clay sat out last night. But with Draymond back, Clay looks like himself. He looks much better, and yeah. I think that's a bit unsurprising. They've played a ton together, and they know they just know each other's tendencies. Draymond knows how to get him open, and when he's like like, like what his spots are, when he's feeling it, uh, get him the ball, he'll knock it down. So moving forward, I wouldn't be surprised if Clay bounces back from his relatively slow start the first few games um but that was the last one i had um oh well i guess actually we didn't really talk about it that much we mentioned it in the first game but chris paul off the bench (laughs) yeah looks really damn good i mean the jump from pool to chris paul is insane like the just the iq cohesiveness of the second unit and uh connectiveness they love using that word like connectivity which is just so cringy but um it's real with chris paul uh he, i think the only concern is can he stay healthy what are your thoughts man yeah he's looked i mean i don't think the situation could have worked out any better than what has played out through the preseason in the first four games i mean vibes yeah. are back um every i mean we're like we were uh, understandably concerned with Chris Paul just because he's a huge ego, but all signs and all things are sounding like he's bought into this role. I mean, it's not like his minutes are being diminished. He's like the fourth or the third highest minutes on the team thus far through four games. So I don't think it really matters to him as long as he's getting his minutes. Um, and he's at 30 minutes a game. I mean, he's averaging 8.3 assists, leading the team. That's great if he was putting up um you know 12 and 9 through the regular season he's gonna win probably the six man of the year if they have a great record so yeah your your six man pick is looking good huh i told you i told you so far his assist to turnover ratio right now is 5.5 and that is really high and the next closest on the warriors is sarich at 4.5 and the next closest after that is Moody at 3.0. So it's like just a different league, especially with how much he handles the ball. It's really, really impressive. Uh, And he's done this for 19 years now. So like, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but it's just like, it's a breath of fresh air after the turnover issues we had last year. No, I mean, we knew it was a huge issue. And I think that's what led to the decision. Like, I think the main decision, there's two, obviously the locker room dynamic, but it was just unsustainable with our second unit last year how much turnover you can't win when you're turning over the ball 25 times in a game um especially when you have such a great offense you don't want to waste those opportunities so i agree i mean that's to me the biggest takeaway is just how the others have looked so far which is like cp3 moody gp2 kaminga um even trace jackson davis i just think all around i've been pleasantly surprised with with everyone yeah yeah it's been awesome um all right cool that was my last my last point so yeah this has been fun the the last last three games yeah i was just gonna say the last kind of note i wanted to throw in there is um still just curious on what how they're gonna fill their 14th spot still haven't filled it um only thing they still look a little small on the wing that's the last thing i'll say i i would maybe want to see like another three slash four with size um but we'll see we'll see it's still early I, in the season have you seen anything about that because i 
haven't seen any like rumors about who might fill that spot. I haven't either. So yeah, um, it's just curious. But uh, like you said, vibes are good. Very good. The Warriors play the Kings tomorrow night for the second time this year. This one's going to be at Chase Center. It's going to be fun. Uh, the only downside is that Darren Fox isn't playing, so it's going to be sad we won't see him battle the Warriors again. He rolled his ankle in another fun game against the Lakers a few nights yeah. ago. Uh, it's I don't think it looks like it's super serious, but I uh, hope he gets back to health soon. But, um, yeah, we'll keep it rolling. And hopefully the Warriors can make it out of this tough stretch of eight games in eight different cities with a solid record. Off to a good start so far. Ooh, sounds good, man. We'll stay locked in, and uh, we'll we'll be back with you after a couple games. All right.